morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of May, and my name is Helen Freer. I'm sure you've heard a lot about the subject of the US debt ceiling already. It's still very much in the headlines, though. And on today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague, Lucia Chachulovic. And we also have our head of fixed income research, Marcus Allensbach, with us this morning. So I'll be getting his latest thoughts on the debt ceiling topic as well. And then with our next Beyond Markets webcast coming up this Thursday, I'll also be catching up with Hannah Wise, who will be hosting the webcast. So she'll fill us in on what's coming up there. But first up is Lucia. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, Helen. So I know we have Marcus here to give us an update on the debt ceiling talks, but I have to start the markets wrap by asking you, has a deal been reached yet? No, Helen, unfortunately not. While House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said he had a productive meeting with President Joe Biden on how to raise the debt ceiling, the two did not reach a deal yesterday. McCarthy said that they both know the deadline and that they will be talking every day until they get a deal done. And just shortly before the meeting, actually, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reaffirmed June 1st as the earliest date the U.S. could be at serious risk of a debt default. And what does this mean for bond investors then? So investors have raised the premium they demand to hold U.S. paper that's most at risk. The cost of insuring U.S. government debt against default with derivatives has also climbed. Yields on policy-sensitive two-year treasuries rose slightly after short-term rates rose yesterday, while 10-year yields were steady. Australian and New Zealand government bond yields followed the moves in treasuries. The optimism arising from the debt talks also pushed down yield premiums on Asia X Japan investment grade dollar bonds as spreads tightened to their lowest in more than two months. And taking a step back, can you tell us more about how US equity markets performed yesterday? I saw the Nasdaq rose. Yes, so yesterday there was quite a mixed session with the S&P 500 index drifting between gains and losses before closing flat. But yes, the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 advanced 0.3%. However, chip makers were under pressure after China said products by Micron Technology failed a cybersecurity review. US equity futures are trading in the green currently on improved risk sentiment. And let's move on to commodities. I saw that oil prices were up yesterday. Can you give us some more details here and perhaps also a quick update on gold? Yes, so oil prices edged up 1% yesterday with a rise in US gasoline futures and forecasts for oil demand to rise in the second half of the year, while supplies from Canada and OPEC Plus declined in recent weeks. Oil prices, however, were held in check by a stronger dollar and as the market waited for news on the US debt ceiling talks, of course. It's also worthwhile noting here that the International Energy Agency warned of a looming oil shortage in the second half of the year when demand is expected to exceed supply by almost 2 million barrels per day. And as for gold, it seems like it has lost some of its appeal as a safe haven, with prices reaching the lowest level since the end of March. Gold prices inched lower as hawkish comments from the two US Federal Reserve officials yesterday weighed on the non-yielding commodity. Great. Thanks, Lucia. I know we've skipped over Asia so far. Can you give us a quick roundup of the overnight action there? 
Sure. Asia Pacific markets were trading mixed. Stock markets in Japan were down along with Hong Kong and mainland Chinese markets, but South Korea's stocks were up and in Australia, the S&P ASX 200 was also up as the country's composite PMI saw a softer expansion in May. Okay, and just finally, what can investors expect today? Anything to look out for? So in Europe, futures are currently up amid the encouraging signs on US debt ceiling negotiations. And expected data here include UK public sector net borrowing and preliminary PMIs for the Eurozone, France, Germany and the UK. Over in the US, investors will focus on the US new home sales data as well as the preliminary PMI numbers there. Great. Thank you very much, Lucia, for the roundup. Now, Marcus, great to have you on the show this morning as well. Good morning, first of all. Good morning, Helen. So the US debt ceiling and more concretely, the risk of a default remains a big concern for the market. Last night, the US President Joe Biden and the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy met for an hour. The tone seemed to be more constructive. What do you think, Marcus? Do you think we will get a deal in time? Well, much to the disappointment of our audience, I have to say there is no such thing as an X date written in stone. So we don't know what, at what time the US will run out of money. All we know is on a daily basis, the closing balance of the US Treasury. That started last week at 87 billions, fell to 57 by Thursday and went up to 61 again by Friday. Normally, we get a deal when this cash balance is down to 30 billion. Will that be 1st of June, as US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen wants? Maybe, maybe not. Remember, we have a big tax date in the middle of June. 100 to 120 billion of corporate tax revenues are expected. If we get through to mid-June, then maybe this X date is only late July, early August. And also in the meantime, I mean, if they run out of money, doesn't mean that they are defaulting. They could prioritize debt service payments. So it's very hard to say when this X date will be. Okay, so you say that neither the Treasury nor the market can actually nail down this uh, X date uh, that you mentioned when the US will actually run out of money and that the Treasury has some room to avoid a default on its debt. But in general, how do you see the odds of getting an agreement? I have to say I'm getting more optimistic day by day. You know, the Democrats started the process saying, hey, we need a clean deal. We don't want to have any concessions linked to an increase in debt ceiling. We are raising money in the market to finance uh, outlays that have been appropriated, so there should not be any concessions. The Republicans said, hey, we want to cut social spending back to the level of 2022. In the meantime, the Democrats said that they are ready to uh, deal when they fix uh, spending, discretionary spending for 2024 at the level of 2023, so they are ready to make concessions. The Republican positions also has changed when they made their first step. In the first six months of the current fiscal year, social spending was up 12.7% year on year. Now that has declined. The gap has narrowed to 4.9%. So I believe the chances for getting a deal done are really improving. Okay. And um, 
Back in 2011, the stock market really tanked and bond yields declined in the late phases of the budget talks. Do you think we should be positioning for something like this again? No, we don't think so. Our chief investment officer said that we shouldn't position for such an unlikely outcome. Second point, Helen, remember 2011, it was a new experience for the market. In the meantime, we got nine periods of debt ceiling imposed and struggling to finance and struggling to get a deal. And in the meantime, the market has made a lot of progress in getting prepared for a worst outcome. So the market is betting for the expecting the best, but preparing for the worst. We now are able to trade US treasuries even after maturity. There are processes in place how you compensate for deferred interest income. So it, it's not the same like 2011. 2011 came as a surprise, a negative surprise, as a shock. Now we are much better prepared in the market. So we are not positioning for a default. We stick to quality bonds, having said that. We stick to quality because we believe there is a wave of defaults coming in an environment of a credit crunch and higher refinancing costs. So that a lot of zombies are going to disappear. That's why we like quality and we still position for rate cuts, but we wouldn't position for a default. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Marcus. Great to get your thoughts on this this morning. Now, as presumably the uncertainty continues, you might want to listen in to our next Beyond Markets webcast, which is coming up this Thursday. Our host and business journalist here at Julius Baer, Hannah Wise, joins me now. The focus in the webcast is going to be income generation, which is particularly relevant for investors at the moment, right? Absolutely, Helen. Thanks uh, for having me this morning. And I think Marcus really described the kind of uncertainty with this whole debt ceiling issue that, uh, that investors are facing at the moment. Plus, of course, you've got inflation and central banks trying to fight that inflation with interest rate hikes or lack thereof. And so you can understand why investors may be a little bit more reluctant to invest at the moment. And we all know when there's a lot of uncertainty around, people tend to rush to cash. But what if there was a way to have the best of both worlds, really have your cake and eat it, Helen. We're talking about generating a source of cash as well as investing. Now, I know that many of our listeners will already know that I'm talking about reaping the dividends from equities and the coupons from bonds. But here's the thing. Not all dividends and coupons are created equal. So we've put together a masterclass, if you will, with Julius Bear experts on what to watch for. You know, what makes a good dividend? Uh, what's the difference between a bond coupon and a bond yield? There are also geographical implications to think of. What about the role of share buybacks? There's really a lot to consider when you position yourself for income generation. So it's going to be a really hands-on session this week. Plus, as always, we offer live Q&A with the audience. So come along and take part. You can put your questions to our panelists. And we try to keep everything within around 30 minutes so people can fit it in among their uh, busy days. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, Hannah. And how can people sign up? Well, if you're already a Julius Baer client, you can just reach out to your relationship manager for an invite. But also we open this to non-clients as well. Uh, to find the link, you just need to head to our LinkedIn page and there is uh, an advertisement for it there. We also offer a replay version so you can sign up and get the replay afterwards if the time's not convenient. 
And we offer a highlights edition, which I believe goes on LinkedIn. It also goes on the Insights app uh, for Julius Bear clients as well. So there's no excuse not to miss it. We'll be live at 10 o'clock on Thursday, the 25th, Helen. Wonderful. Thanks very much, Hannah. I'm looking forward to finding out more on Thursday. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette will be back talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. But until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.